Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of Telling, my story podcast featuring all new works by yours truly. Stay tuned for possible publication dates and public readings. This month, a short bit from Spain. As is my habit, all the depicted events are real, but I declare no allegiance to genre. When I was a kid, I lived in Budapest for a bit, and I learned that in Hungarian, fairy tales begin with a phrase that translates approximately to, once there was, or maybe there wasn't, but once there was. And I always loved the concept that you could write a story about something that once felt very true, but was so fleeting that its truth and even its very existence was questionable. I love writing both from that place and about that place of uncertainty. So once there was, or maybe there wasn't, but once there was a woman who went to Spain. Also, please pardon my terrible Spanish pronunciation. As you'll see, it's a language I don't know and should. Estamos como cabras. Yesterday, at dusk, I tended goats with a goat herder from San Saloni. You cannot be sad when watching baby goats. You cannot be sad when their frolicking silhouettes shadow the Spanish sunset. The twilight turns a key in my chest and opens me, hinges shrieking. Then all stills, and I'm left with a quiet pong-pong of goat bells, birds twittering rapidly to each other just before sleep, and El Pastor, the herder from San Saloni. His name, he tells me, is Louis. What does that translate to in English, he wants to know. Louis, I say. His face falls. Ah. We speak a strange mixture of... Castilian, Catalan, and English. At best, I know 30 words in Castilian. Nouns, mostly. Things one can hold on to. I know only four words of Catalan, but they matter. In this corner of Spain, an estrella, the Catalonian independence flag, flies from every second balcony, and some refuse to speak Castilian, the national language. So I recite my four words of Catalan, though they translate to donut, Please, thank you, goodbye. Lewis smiles. At sundown, he tells me, he can let the baby goats roam the crossroads. The two dirt lanes are rutted between pasture and field, the pastures surrounded by mountains, which are turning black while the sky above them paints itself mauve. Some nights the cirrus clouds look like oil spilt on water, their colors alien and electric. Some nights the sky uniformly turns violet before the dark rises from the fields. No cars come this time of day, says Lewis. Los cabritos can play where they want. Handsome, he calls after one. Beauty. Twins. Three sets. A good year. Lewis is 56, petite and clearly careful with his pompadour of still black hair. He comes to tend the goats each night, wearing a button-down shirt and leather shoes. Here, the farmers dress as gentlemen. From afar, they look elegant. Close up, their shirts are rent, their trousers frayed. They must have other jobs or use their old town clothes for farm work. Not Louis. My pastor from San Saloni is dapper.
The goats know the sound of Lewis's car. He herds them away from the pen's gate with a stick before passing through. At this time of night, he tells me, the fields become incredibly quiet. It is always this way. A pause. The crunching of tiny goat teeth, chewing fallen almonds. Like they are caramels, says Lewis. The pastor loves to describe what is happening as it is happening. All you can hear now are the birds, the goat bells, and the knickers of los pequeños cabritos. The baby goats have numbers, not names. Eventually, they are destined for the slaughterhouse. The only ones Lewis keeps year after year are the fertile females and the old ram, el padre, father of all. The pastor's hand sweeps over his flock. Los cabritos are climbing the stone wall that lines the edge of the road. This is the way it always is. The little ones want to go up high, says Lewis. Estamos como cabras. We are like goats. We watch them dance and butt each other atop the small cliff, their hooves finding invisible footholds in the rock edifice. If they fall, they could easily break a leg, or worse. Do you like what surrounds us? Lewis asks. Si, si, I say, nodding my head. He is pleased. He tells me he loves these mountains. He has always loved these majestic beauties. But you are not from here. You can't be from here. With that hair, you are Nordic, surely, he says preening his pompadour. American, just visiting, before I need to return to my real life. Lewis looks flummoxed, then distressed. But this is your real life, in this moment. This is where you are and what you do. This is you, living. In both Castilian and Catalan, there are two verbs meaning to be, delineated by what is always and what is temporary. Either way, Lewis insists, I am living, and this is real. But in real life, I'm on the verge of divorce. This village in Spain is a temporary sanctuary. I should have already returned home. I'm trying to hang on to things that cannot be preserved. The brightness of the poppy tucked on page 20 of my journal has already bled and darkened by the time I fill page 22. Yet each day this field offers up more ephemera that I want to bottle and take home. My journal is full of pressed flowers. I've watched the almond blossoms come and go, then strawberries, now cherries, and poppies. Here you understand the real power of the sun. I track the calendar by what flourishes in its brutal light. In the hills, foragers harvest mushrooms, purple asparagus, rosemary, and wild onions. I follow. I've never been so happy to watch things grow. Instead of returning to America, I've learned how to till gardens, how to unthread old roots from soil and make dirt clean. Maybe I will learn how to cook what comes from this earth, the terra of Catalonia, vegetarian paella, chorizo and garbanzo beans, orange and olive salad. I want to argue with Lewis. What is real? 
I will return to my homeland with a journal of dead flowers, knowledge of recipes that require ingredients I can only find in Spain, and the fading pong-pong of new words, my fifth foreign language, that I will soon forget for lack of use. Maybe I will remember the color of the sky, but what exactly is a memory worth if you can't give it to someone else? If you don't believe anyone is waiting to receive it? And then I know I'm lost. I am a professional traveler. This freedom to wander sometimes feels like a state of grief instead of a gift. On paper, I am privileged, and yet sometimes I behave as if I were still impoverished and fleeing, a woman harvesting last year's chaff from the gardens of strangers, even though the sun has gotten too strong. My skin stings. I'm thinking of chasing spring northward, where I won't burn. Back home, my friends are getting pregnant, posting online pictures of their newborns, both healthy and sick, the way Americans do. They decorate their houses and buy their second dogs. They take selfies with their smiling siblings and make public their messages to their parents. I cannot email these friends to ask what it means to be living. My most adult acquisition is a house I want to sell. I've never acquired things that anchor one to a place, nor have I gathered or kept anything I must tend to. I don't have much faith that I will be allowed to keep what I build or nurture or love. Without faith, it is difficult to want. Without want, it is easy to get lost. I keep rotating between questions. Who are you if at 34 you let the sun prompt where you go? Then again, why not stock spring and the rejuvenation it brings? What else is there? Lewis says, look, El Padre, the old ram, doesn't need to be led. Half an hour after sunset, when the dark is complete, he marches back through the gate, and the flock follows. This is the way it always is, the goat herder of Sansaloni repeats. Have you noticed, at midday, the sun makes us hot, but the night is very cold? Like the Sahara, I say. Yes, yes, like the Sahara. Another pause, filled only with goat bells now. The birds asleep. You've been to the Sahara? he asks. No, only read about it. The pastor has left Spain only once. Took a holiday in the Dominican Republic. Eight hours on a plane, staring at the sea. It bored him, so he never left Spain again. These mountains, aren't they beautiful, he says, his face etched by the moon. I wish we could fall in love. Right here, right now. I'd like to love someone who is never going to leave his home. I could walk into his house and sit below these mountains until I, too, belonged to this land. Sometimes, I think, the pastor and I do fall in love, for one hour a day, during the sun's leaving, when our shadows grow long and reach towards each other over the crossroads. Then night descends and we return to ourselves, and we are strangers once again. See, see, I nod though the mountains are just darker dark now, the air suddenly cold. The mountains roll like the sea, I tell Lewis, my nouns and adjectives spoken, 
the verb created with my hands. But that's not really true. The sea moves. The desert sand moves. Las montañas stay affixed, permanent as far as we are concerned, something you can orient yourself by if you linger for enough time to learn how to use them.